You guys know the drill. Can we put our hands together one more time for our online family? Come on, let's welcome them in. What's up? Highlight.church, YouTube, Facebook. We're honored that you've joined us today. And, and uh, it is, in fact, New Series Sunday. We're excited about all the Lord is doing. I want to take a moment to invite you, if, if you don't uh, have a church home, it is so very vital and important that you do find a place that you don't just attend, but um, we've been talking a lot around here about being planted in a healthy local church. I'm not a perfect, but a healthy local church. And I encouraged the church last week that um, church hurt is real. Um, so maybe a few of you are in your honeymoon phase. Um, it is a phase uh, of following the Lord and you feel invincible, you feel untouchable. Um, but I, I just, I wouldn't be a loving leader or pastor if, if I didn't make you aware of the fact that church is filled with imperfect people. So as a result, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be offended. But what I do know is, is that God calls you, calls you back to his house and not to a perfect church, but to a healthy place. And so I want to encourage you to join us this evening, 5 p.m. for Super Steps. Um, Super Steps is um, a platform where you can hear about the vision, the values, and the culture of Highlight Church. And um, it's kind of like you're on-ramping to joining the team. Um, here at Highlight, we don't believe in membership. We believe in participation. Um, I, I was raised in a missionary Baptist church, and so it was easy for us to drive drive down Bruton Boulevard. Y'all don't know nothing about Bruton Boulevard. And, um, <laughs> and um, say, that's my church. But just point at it and keep driving. Um, but that's not biblical. Um, what is biblical is, is participating. And I think when you participate, when you serve, when you're generous, that's when you grow. That's where the blessing is. That's where the breakthrough is. So we invite you to Super Steps. As a matter of fact, we have record numbers signed up. We have 37 people. Come on, celebrate with me a little bit. Wow. For Super Steps. And you add the 20 or so superheroes that are going to be there to serve you and to help you along in your journey. I don't know if we're going to have it in the lobby. Uh, we may end up having to have it in here. I don't know. That's up to the team. I'm just here to preach. But... um. I remember a day where there was two people in Super Steps. And, and this is when it was in person. So I, just me and them two, I'm talking for three hours straight. Now it's video and it's all set up. Uh, we're going to have dinner provided for you. So it's going to be a great time together. And um, just God is really moving in our church. Um, can, the people in the front, can you look in the back? Just turn around and look back there. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Easter in here. Y'all didn't even, come on, let's celebrate that. So... I got a suspicion that by Christmas, this, this ain't going to work. We got the, and I think that God is adding on to the team because um, we're just getting started. And, and uh, it's, I'm trying to figure, figure things out right now because I'm already dying at three services. So we'll figure it out. But um, it's going to be exciting. And, and, um, and uh, we can't wait to, for you to join the team this evening. So. If you're thinking about it or if you're on the fence, sign up for Super Steps and, and maybe it'll clarify everything and you'll know whether or not highlights your home and all that good stuff. Let's pray and then let's start our new series. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, God, for um, the local church. We thank you for 
uh, your faithfulness, your goodness. And uh, God, we just pray that you would do the supernatural work of opening our hearts and opening our minds um, to your eternal word. God, we know that the prophet and the prophet Isaiah declared that whenever you send forth your word, it's going to produce fruit. It shall not return to heaven void. So may it find a fertile ground in our hearts so that we would bring you the glory through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap it up one more time, church. Amen. Awesome. Good, good. Let's jump into it. So I'm sure many of us would agree that there's a lot of noise in society right now. A lot of noise out there. And um, if you're not careful, you can begin to question, where is God? Like, um, like, you know, between the news and, 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 you know, the inconsistency of like, do we take it off or do we wear it or are we living or are we dying? Like, you know, there's a lot of in- inconsistency out there, a lot of noise, um, your family, um, just a lot going on in society in general. And you can begin to ask yourself, where is God or what is he doing? Like, has anyone, just show of hands, have you asked yourself over the past, say, year and a half, like, where is God? All my super saints won't raise your hand because you, you just, you fast every day, you pray, you, you, I know where he is, I don't. So I'll preach to the eight that don't, okay. Have, has anyone in the last year and a half, like, where is God and all? Okay, my super saints are still, y'all just stubborn, y'all know where he is, all right. But there are a lot of opinions out there about, not just, you know, questions, but opinions about who God is and how he is. Like some would say like God is this like lily in the fields, just God. He's everything goes, you know, everything is game. Some would say God is mean, like God is the God of the Old Testament. He's mean. And, and um, what I've come to find out is that it really doesn't matter about what we say or think about God. But what matters the most is what scripture says about the Lord. Because the Bible is the word of God. I'll be teaching through this next year in a mini series, two week series called Pure Product about how the hand of God formed the Bible. It's very divine and supernatural process that took time, but it was in fact God. And we're going to clarify that. But what matters is what scripture says about who God is. And what I love is what you can find in the scripture. Um, Jesus made it very clear about who God was. As a matter of fact, here it is, John 10, verse 30. These are the words of Christ. Christ said this, Christ says, the Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. And so, this is great because now we have an identification, right? Now we can, we can cut through the junk, cut, you know, cut through the confusion, cut through the noise that's out there and simply put, go ahead and write this down. If you're taking notes, we told you last week, come to church when the word of God is preached, come with anticipation, attention and retention. So first note here is, is number one, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So there, there's, there's no more guessing about that. It's, it's clear. The father and I are one. We don't have to debate about it anymore. We don't have to, uh, uh, 
question it. We don't have to search it out. It's, it's right here. And it's one of the shortest verses in Scripture. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And I don't know about you. I choose to believe him a little bit more than the next person. I choose to believe the guy that got up from the grave a little bit more than the person who didn't. A little bit more than the followers of the people who didn't get up from the grave. I choose to believe him that Jesus is God. Someone say that. Jesus is God. Yes, yes, yes. And let's go a little bit deeper. Let's simplify God. Isn't that a scary statement? Let's simplify God. I think part of my job is to take... Um, what can seem like very complex concepts and make them simple. That's my job. That's my anointing. That's my call as a preacher, as a teacher, to make things simple. But so, so we know Jesus is God. Let, let's, let's build it out a little bit more for you. Paul the Apostle says this. A leader who was called by Jesus himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said this in Philippians. He said, you must have, talking to the church in Philippi and us, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Here it is. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Man, how humble is that? Someone say low pro. pro. It's another series next year. We're going to talk about humility and how to come up in life. Keep a low profile. You ain't all that. You ain't all that. Just chill. If you want to be all that in the future, don't be all that right now. That's, that's kingdom math. Kingdom math. Instead, here it is, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Though he was God. Someone say God. God. Yes, yes, yes. So here, here's a, let, let's make it simple. Here it is, but we're going to build it out a little bit more. Jesus shows us who and how God is. Jesus shows us who God is and the nature or the character of God. Once again, kind of cutting through the noise. What is God doing? Where is God at? How is God? When you see Jesus, there it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When you see Jesus, you see the creator of the universe. You see God. And, And what I love about what Paul says, some translations say slave. Others say he, he, he became a servant. So this also tells us that God is a servant. Yes. This tells us that God is consistent. This tells right. us that God is faithful. And so it's essential that you come to understand who Christ is above any, any person in your life. Your spouse, your, your children, your best friend, above any person in your life is so essential that you learn who Christ is. Because once you learn who he is, you, you'll truly begin to understand who you are. All right, and because, yeah, we can clap that up. Come on, let's celebrate that. Because the Bible says that we were created in his image, and it's essential that we, we get to know our creator, and we get to know our creator through knowing Christ. Let's talk about the life of Jesus for a second. If you're taking notes. Um, just give you some some facts about his life. So Christ was born of a virgin, and her name was Mary. We're going to be celebrating Christmas in about a month and a half. And, uh, you know, he was raised in Jewish culture, and he would have went through the, you know, the typical things of learning the written Torah and the oral Torah. And he would have graduated by the time he was 11 or 12, and he would have um, stepped into uh, uh, Joseph's 
um, job and Joseph's trade of becoming a carpenter. And so, um, but then by the age of 30 or 29 or so, uh, his ministry started. So at 29 years old, the ministry of Christ started. And when he started his ministry, Jesus called 12 men, particularly, to follow him. He was going to usher in the kingdom of heaven into the earth through these 12 men. There were also women, but mostly through these 12 men, because American culture, European culture, is different than heaven's culture, kingdom culture. So he was calling them to usher in his kingdom into the world. And here it is. Two out of these 12 men wrote about his life. These two men, if you're taking notes, their names are Matthew and John. Matthew and John. And, and so Matthew and John would have had these firsthand eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Right? Kind of like how you are. Uh, you're sitting here. You're listening to me preach and teach right now. Right? You could sit down and write. Um, um, Pastor Josh got up on the stage at so and so time and, and he prayed. And these are some of the things that he prayed when he prayed over us. And, and then, and then he, he started a new series called uh, Good God and and, and he talked about super steps. And you can say his first point was, was Jesus is God. Like, this is what they were doing. They would follow him. They would see his interactions. They would see him go down for a nap. They would see him when he prayed. They would see all the miracles. And Matthew and John were real people. Someone say real people. Real people. And it is historically a fact that, that, that we, we have it in record how these disciples were, were killed and martyred. For the glory of God and for Jesus Christ, once Christ went back to heaven. And then you got two more guys, Mark, who is a contemporary and a friend of Peter, who was not one of the original 12, but he did write a gospel. And then you also have Luke. Someone say Luke. Luke was a, a physician who was a contemporary of Paul. So Mark and Luke would have interviewed the disciples. They would have interviewed Mary Magdalene. They would have interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus. Tell me a little bit about your son. Tell me about when he was 12 years old. Tell me about this time when when we heard that story about Lazarus raising from the dead. So they would have gotten it through interviews. And so it's essential, number one, go ahead and write this down. It won't pop up on the screen, that you read about the life of Jesus within the four Gospels. And the word gospel means good news. Means good news. And it starts out your New Testament scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where you learn about Jesus. I'll I'll go as far as saying, I think you ought to read a gospel at least once a year. It ought to always anchor you into your faith. Okay? So, So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels synoptic gospels that word simply means that they are similar the content is similar the stories are similar the flow and the point of view are similar john writes it from a different angle john doesn't start with uh, uh, lineage and and all these things john talks about this idea of jesus being god um jesus being being supreme john uh, a lot of people's favorite gospel is the gospel of John. And once again, I think part of my job is to zone out. Someone say zone out. out. It's to zone out because I don't have time to read all four gospels with you in 30 minutes, but my job is to zone out and give you a framework so that you can understand the character of God, right? 
right? And, and I also think my job is to help you develop an appetite for the Word of God and for the presence of God in your life. You, you, when you come to church, there should be um, some refreshment where you're not just encouraged during our hour and 15 minutes together, but when you leave the church, you go home and you say, you know what, that, that pastor with that, that funny looking vest, he was talking about um, gospel. What, what's that? Good news? I wrote it down. And then you, you open up Matthew and, and, and before you read, you begin to pray, Lord, speak to me. Yes. Speak to me. So, so my job is to create an appetite in you. But what we can deduce from all of these gospels about God is that, here it is, God is good. It's his nature. God is good. God is kind. God is loving. God is faithful. God, God wants to take you from where you are to, to higher and greater places, to, to better places. This is what I can deduce from those four gospels, is that he is good. Someone say, God is good. God is good. God is good. And so... In order to get you out of here at a healthy time, what I want to do is I want to talk about four qualities of God's goodness that we're just going to take out of the Gospels. There are four Gospels. I'll pull out four qualities. You go home. You walk with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Lord to speak to you about it. But this is one thing that we find out about the character of God. Number one, through the life of Jesus. Number one, God provides. God provides. To provide means to, to make available or to supply what is needed. And, and I think about the story in the gospel where um, Jesus' first recorded miracle is um, there at this wedding in Cana. And uh, back in this, in Jewish culture, uh, wine was a big deal at weddings. And so they ran out of wine. And Jesus' mother approaches Christ and she says, uh, can you kind of do something about this? And I'm like, man, when I first read this story, Nichelle, I, I thought Jesus was rude. <laughs> the way he responded to her, he, woman, it ain't my time yet. <laughs> that, that God confidence must came in. I'm like, I created you. I can talk to you however I want. But I couldn't imagine talking to my mom like that, even to this day. Woman, it ain't my time yet. And she's just like, boy, you crazy. Anyway, will you do it? Yeah, yeah I'll do it. And then she goes to the servants and she tells the servants, which is a key to life, a key to success, a key to blessing. She tells the servants of the wedding. She says, do whatever he tells you. Come on now. Come on now. Do, do whatever God tells you. And, and, then, and then he said, all right, fill the, fill the pots and the jars with water. And he does that first miracle. He provides what they need in order to enjoy the ceremony. Right? Or, or I think about the story of where Christ fed the 5,000 men. If you had women and children... This is easily over 20,000 people. And they only had some fish and some, some loaves of bread. Um, he's, a, he's a provider. Um, I remember when, when we were moving to Maryland from Florida. Didn't know it until after we moved. But uh, the average cost of living here in Maryland versus where we were is 37% higher. And, and we didn't know that. So <laughs> talk about faith. Um, we just didn't. We, you know, we're going to start a church. Woo! But, you know, you got to pay bills. And so I got some counsel and some, some guidance from uh, my pastor and my dear friend I love and my wife. All of them agree. They said, uh, Josh, don't work. You focus on growing the church, leading, developing leaders. 
Uh, my wife, is she was a nurse, but uh, at the time she was the, the only breadwinner. And so I, I felt like less than a man. I'm like, man, I can work. I'm strong. I'm young. I can bring in something and build the church. But God said, don't build, don't, don't, don't work. I want you to build the church. Humble yourself. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push you guys for it. So we had this number that she needed to make per hour. And, and she got the first uh, interview, and they, they gave her the job, but they offered her $10 less. She got the second job. I think it was Holy Cross Hospital, and, and they offered her $7 less. She got the third job. So we're getting the job. We're just not getting the amount. And, and I don't think we had to compromise the amount that we needed in order to make the move. They came in $3 less. She got the fourth job over at Shady Grove Hospital, and they came right in at what we had been praying for, right, right at that number that enabled our family to survive. This is the takeaway. When you read the Gospels, there's a teaching where Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. And he says, he says, the door will be open. And so what I love about the goodness of God, here it is, is that the goodness of God starts with his guidance. The, what, hold on, we're, we're teaching. The goodness of God starts with his guidance. Before you get the provision, before you get the blessing, are you willing to obey him? And, and what we did was we had a number by faith the Holy Spirit gave us. And, and we said, we're not going to compromise because we can't make it unless we're bringing in this much. And so we're going to obey Jesus. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. And the, and the door, the door will be open. I remember, uh, so we were able to move. And we had two roommates, um, uh, Megan, and we had another friend who, who moved in with us. And so we were living in this townhome in Potomac. And, um, you know, Megan got married to Chris. Come on, give these two a hand clap for the Conjo Giannis. You know how you're building God's house and God start blessing you and you, you move out on your pastors and you leave them high and dry. You know we can't afford this townhouse in Potomac. And then um, they, they, they all moved out because they got married. Praise the Lord. But we couldn't afford it. So we, we started the process of moving into our apartment in Rockville. And we needed $2,000 to transition. No one knew what we needed. We were just going to figure it out and be in the negative, do all, do, do all the stuff that you got to do to got to do. You know what I mean? We had a meeting with a superhero, um, and she's still at this church today, a phenomenal lady, big faith, very generous, beautiful soul. And we, we talked, we prayed. And at the end of our prayer, she said, pastors, um, I don't know what it is, but on the way here, the Holy Spirit, God told me to give you guys $2,000. No one knew. This was just between my wife and I, and I think we told your mom, mama, we just told my mom. And she said, God told me to give you $2,000, and she started crying. And she said, but I'm so sorry. She started crying some more. She said, today I only brought 1000 on Wednesday, I'm going to bring the other, the rest of it. That, that's what you call the provision of God. Amen. I want to encourage you. If you're worried today, uh, just God, God's a provider. And the Bible even commands you. Paul says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And so here it is. You ought to pray more about it than you think about it. Pray a little bit more about it than thinking about it. Don't complain about it. Don't bicker about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. 
And, and it says this here in Philippians, God is, is a provider. Philippians 4.19, Good News Translation says this, And with all his abundant wealth, whew, through Christ Jesus, my God will supply all your needs. This is the way I see it. I, I can't necessarily prove it biblically. Call me a heretic, whatever. I've been called worse. Um, I believe that there's a vault in heaven with your name on it. But I, I don't, I believe it only opens when you start to pray. I believe, they, I believe there's an angel assigned to your name, your vault, and they can only, they're only employed when you start to pray. They're only employed as you remain persistent in your trust and you don't try to create a way to provide for yourself. But when you're faithful to what God has called you to and and you lean into prayer and you lean into worship and you lean into praise and you lean into serving, I think that's when that angel begins to... And and just release it into your life. And... um, you know, maybe you didn't know this, but we, we had a house fire in May as a family. And I, rem- I remember standing outside on our, we lived downhill, so I was standing about halfway up our driveway and just, just watching our house, our attic, like this, you know, go up in flames. And in that moment, you're just, you're, you're, that's where the noise comes in. God, where are you? Why didn't, why didn't you stop this? <laughs> me? <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm bringing people to Christ. Like, me, I, we don't deserve this. But, but, but June and July and August and September and October, and, and, and man, let me, God, God is turning that thing all the way, all the, all the way. So, so if you're in a situation like that, I'm just telling you, like, the reason you're in it is because he's setting you up for overflow. He's setting you up for blessing. We, we have not, ooh. we haven't missed a step. Number two, God heals. He heals. This means to, if you're taking notes, to call something to become sound and healthy. God, God heals. He's still in the healing business. God heals. And I, I didn't add this, but you can put in parentheses, God keeps. God, God keeps. And um, I do believe it. I, I do believe that God has kept you. Um. And I do believe that um, it's the hand of God over your life that's protecting you from a a lot of danger. Um, The Bible says in Malachi that he will rebuke the devourer. So so I believe over the past two years, there have been some things that the enemy has purposed for your life. But you won't know until you get to heaven. And I just believe that God has shown up in the spirit realm and he's eliminated a lot of that stuff because he loves you. And, and because you have some sense that, that, that you just trust in him, God honors that kind of faith. And so he heals. It says this about Jesus in Matthew 4. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. Come on, Lord. Teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every, someone say every, every. kind of disease and illness. So, so and here it is. Jesus is still healing today. And let me, let me teach you biblically about how he's healing. He's healing three different ways. Here it is. Number one, through spiritual leadership. The brother of Jesus, James, says, when you're sick, go to the church and allow the elders to pour oil on you 
and to pray for you. And then the sick will be healed. I believe a lot of you are carrying emotional illness and mental illness and physical illness. I just prayed with a superhero after our first experience about some pain he's having. I believe God is saying that missing component, that's that the thing that you're missing is you need to go to spiritual leadership. You need to go to your pastors. You need to let your light group leaders know. You need to let your team leaders, your directors know he's still healing through spiritual leadership. The second way he's healing is through your church family. Amen. This is why the church is here. It's, it's, it's to, the church is here to encourage you, to hold your arms up, to, to help you meet those needs. If your fridge is empty, the church needs to know. If, if, you're, if you're lacking in a bill, the church needs to know. If you're, if you're lacking in your faith, if you feel weak, the church needs to know. Understand that there are different forms of healing. We're not just talking about cancer. God can do that. We're not just talking about paralysis. God, there's, there's all these different forms of sickness that God is healing through the local church. And the third way that heals is your faith. Someone say faith. faith. He heals through your faith. What is your faith? Your faith or faith is the capacity to believe God for the impossible. And, and all he needs is a little bit of it. Je- Jesus said, if you have faith, the faith of a mustard seed, the size of a mud, this is the smallest seed in all of Israel, but it grows into this big bush. Jesus said, if you got a little capacity to believe me for the impossible, I'll heal your life. I'll, I'll restore your life. I- I'll put things in order for your life. I'll do it. Your faith. I believe some of you with, with the pandemic, you've just been moving by faith. And it's, it's part of the reason why, and I'm not saying anything about people who have caught the virus, but I believe that a lot of you who are just moving on with your life, I believe the reason why you haven't caught the virus is because you're moving by faith. Right, right. We, we talk to people all the time about the moves we've been making over the past two years, and it's almost like our family has just sped up. Like, we, we, we moved right into that state. We, we went on that trip. We went to that conference. We, we had that meeting. When, when they said take the mask off, we pulled them off because we've been moving by faith. Yeah. And I think this is what the enemy is against right now in your life. He wants to take that little capacity that you have to believe God for the impossible just through some hocus-pocus fear crap. But God is still a keeper. He's still a protector. He's Oh, yeah, I'm fighting against the spirit in here. He's still good. He can still do do the impossible. So I don't put all my hope in a a vaccine. I put all my hope in the healer. I put all my hope in Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who heals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's still good. And he's still God. And he still heals. We've seen diseases healed. We've seen people find mental clarity that they need. A lot, a lot of people come into the church and there's a fogginess about life. I don't know what I'm going to do about my life. They, they serve and, and they connect and, and, and they learn to pray and they get into the scripture and it's like, oh my God, I can see a little bit further. Mental clarity. We've seen marriages strengthened and marriages restored. We've seen confidence built. Um, I love this, this uh, uh, mentorship, the flourishing mentorship that you're in right now. You, you ladies are learning about identity right now and that's building your confidence. You don't need a man to tell you how beautiful you are how much you're worth because now you're coming to come on women don't leave me up here hanging now you know who you are you know you're chosen you know you're loved you know you're set apart 
You're learning your identity in the Lord, and that is healing. It's healing your soul. It's healing your mind. It's healing your life, and God is doing it. Number three, God forgives. God forgives. Hallelujah, God is good. I've been, I've been, um, I don't know what it, I don't know if it's me or the Holy Spirit, but I'll see a word that has um, two syllables, and I've just been taking a deeper dive into studying terms and, and words, and so the Holy Spirit, I was preparing last night, and he said, break down four gives, so, so it's really two parts, you have four, and then you have give, okay, so, so here, let's talk about this a little bit, God forgives, so the word for means in front of. Some of y'all already catching this. <laughs> in, in front of. And the word gives means to grant grace. Grace is something that you cannot earn. It's a free gift. So it's, it's not about how you dress or how you look or stop smoking or stop cussing or stop sleeping around. It, it's, not about, it's not about straightening yourself up and then coming to God. No, no, th- this is the idea. This is the idea. In front of. God gave, meaning, hold on, hold on, this is it, this is it, before you did it, he forgave it, oh, that's where you clap right there, yeah, before you did it, he forgave it, but I think this is the challenge. I think many of us are trying to learn how to forgive ourselves. I know I am. I know I am. It's a daily thing. The the thoughts I think and, you know, my inconsistency, doubting the Lord, my motives. You got, but, but I'm learning to forgive myself and, 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 um, Oh, how can I put this? Your belief system um, is very important. What you believe about God sets the trajectory of your life. And so if you believe that God is good, if you believe that he is forgiving, what you then have to learn to do is anchor your feelings about yourself. And your emotions about the things you have done, the mistakes, the bad decisions. You got to anchor all of that into the truth that God is a forgiving God. And you have to learn to allow that to take precedent over how you feel about your dysfunction. You got to learn to forgive yourself. Here's a powerful verse about. God and forgiveness. Second Corinthians chapter five says this. Here it is. I love this clarity for God was in Christ. Someone say in Christ. Christ. I love that. So he was in him as, as Jesus was walking. This was God in Christ. Here it is reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. So this is how this would go. And people didn't know this in the spiritual realm. This is what Jesus was doing whenever he would meet somebody. He would meet them, and that person would understand, man, I'm a sinner. But the word reconcile, if you're taking notes, means that Jesus was exchanging in the spirit. Jesus is sinless. Jesus was perfect. We are imperfect. 
So when we have an encounter with Christ, what he does is he takes his righteousness and he puts his righteousness on you. And he takes your sin and your unrighteousness and he puts it on him. And ultimately what he did was he took your sin, my sin, our sin, put it on him and he nailed it to the cross and his blood was shed so that we would be forgiven. Come on now, church. And so that we would have the power to step into everything that God has for us. He was reconciling the world back to himself. All because of what Adam had did. God is faithful. God is faithful. But you, you got to forgive yourself for last week. You got you to gotta forgive yourself for last month. You got to know that as you were doing it, God was there and he had already given grace for your dysfunction. And, and, and you just have to allow that, that forgiveness to be the thing that, that love, that saturates your soul. And, and you got to learn to move forward. The Bible says that um, a just man falls seven times, but gets up on the eighth. A ju- but, but a just person understands that I've been justified. Here it is. Wait. By, let me teach real quick. By Christ. Let me help you. Let me, let's simplify it. That's my job. Justify. Here it is. Just as if I had not sinned. It's, it's not that I'm just because I'm, I'm numb to my sin. No, I'm just because I realize and I understand and I appreciate the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for my sin. So, yes, I did it, but I'm going to get back up because God loves me. I'm going to get back up because there's a future. I'm going to get back up because there is a hope. Forgive yourself. Number four, the fourth quality of God's goodness is God calls. He calls. This is what you see in the Gospels. Jesus hit the scene, 29, on fire. Young man, ready to go. Y'all ready to go? Y'all done clubbing? Y'all done shaking it up? All right, let's go change the world. Y'all done? Let's do it. Jesus wasn't even thinking about them women. Oh, y'all heard about Jesus, girl? Yeah, he cute. He ain't even thinking about them women. He said, I got a world to change. He's 29 in his prime. Let's go. He, he would call him. He says, you're a fisher, but I want to make you a fisher of men. And he would say, follow me. Fo- follow me. Let's talk about Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. It's the same God. Old Testament, New Testament, same God. It says this here. The Lord gave me this message. The prophet Jeremiah says. Here it is. This is what the Lord said. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. So when does life start? Here it is, before conception. Oh, oh my God. Seventy percent of the crowd missed that. When does life start? In heaven. He's God. Before conception. That's when life starts. I knew you before. Someone say before. before. I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Right now, I'm working on that, and, and, and my boys, like, you're set apart. Be, be a leader. Be different. Don't, don't be like the crowd. Appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Here it is, verse 10. And he said this, just as he's saying to you today. He said this to Jeremiah. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. 
So, so God, God calls you. Here it is. If you're taking notes, a couple things. God calls you, number one, to him. He calls you to a relationship with him. He calls you to him. Here it is. He calls you to more freedom. Yes. More freedom. There is power over that addiction. Yes. There is power and freedom beyond that shame. There's, there's another level beyond that thing that you feel limited by. He's calling you to more freedom. Here is the third thing you see in the Gospels when you read the life of Christ. is He's calling you to tap into your God-given potential. That's right. That's right. This is why Super Steps is so vital. It's a practical step in you unleashing your potential to change the world. But it starts within the four walls of the church. This is why highlight leadership is so vital when you're ready to go beyond the four walls of of the church and lead in every area of your life. Jesus was always calling his disciples to live beyond their current potential. And the fourth thing is impact. He calls you to impact. You've been called to shift the trajectory of your lineage and of your family. You've been called to impact. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about those almost 40 people who are going to come here at 5 p.m. and they're taking that next step in their potential. They're taking that next step in their impact. They're taking that next step in their calling. I sense the reason why you're going to be in supercepts. It's not because you're just looking for a church home. I think you're there because you're ready to go to that next level in your faith. And and, and let me just tell you, that's not the church calling you. That's not Pastor Josh. That's not some cute video. That's not some cute graphic. That's the Holy Spirit saying it's time for you to step on up. There's a come on, church. There's a little bit more on the inside of you. to uproot and destroy nations, to build and to plant. Yeah, God, God is calling you. And then there are two responses. Jason, come close me out. Two responses to the goodness of God. Y'all okay? Here it is. Number one, it's the only thing we can do is, is thank him. Thank him. I want to encourage you to develop a, a daily, to express your gratitude daily to God. Thank them. There's something powerful about just just parking your car after you drop off the kids or right before you go into work or right before you go into the house, Lord Jesus, sometimes. And just and just Lord, thank you for my house. All right, but you, you just you stop and you you praise him. You thank him. And I want to prepare us for next week because next week I'm going to be teaching about why we praise and how we praise and why we clap. And it's going to be all corporate. We're going to, we're going to do some things together and it's going to be great. But we're going, to t- we're going to talk about praising God for his goodness. But, but learn to thank him. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says this. Here it is. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Halal the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Halal. Someone say halal. Yes, yes. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. The the psalmist had to emphasize it. Let all I am praise the Lord. Here it is. It's going to get good. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. And heals all my diseases. 
He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. That's what God, that's what God is doing. If you want to know where God is, that's what he's doing in your life right now. But gratitude creates a recognition of that. What is God doing in your life? He's forgiving all of your sins. He's healing all of your diseases. He's already redeemed you from death. And he, he crowns you every morning you wake up. He crowns you with love. Thank you, Jesus. And tender mercies. I love this. Thank you. Thank you, David. I think it was David. Here it is. He fills my life with good things. I just thank you. If I can invite you into my Bible study world. If I'm at home reading verse 5. I'm pausing for about 10 minutes. And I'm just meditating on that. Because the noise. And and my brokenness and my flesh and the news and the people and the, the email and the texts and the this can just it'll have you distracted distraction was a tactic back in medieval times that they would use to tie your body to ropes and they would pull that's how they killed people back in medieval times right that's what Satan's doing or trying to do in your mind he's trying to get you all but when you just stop and you think about you think about the breath that you yes, breathe yes, yes. you think about the strength in your body right you thank God for the clothes on your back. You thank God for the food in your fridge. You thank God for the car. You thank God for your parents. You thank God for your home. You thank God for your church. You thank God for your job. You thank God for your account. There's just something strengthening about yeah. that. And just let's take a moment and I want you to give God your best praise. Put your hands together if he's been good to you. Come on, church. Come on. Come on, a little louder. If God's been good to you, just thank God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You deserve the praise. You're good. You're faithful. You're great. Hallelujah. And, and you do that daily, and you're going to find yourself overcoming every, everything that tries to take you down. And then the second response to his goodness, all you can do is trust him. Yes. Trust him. Yes. Trust him. If he was good in the past, Come on. if he provided, healed, forgave yes. in the past, he's good for, here it is, Brandon, he's good for it in the future. So don't worry about it right now. Allow gratitude to pull you through this season. God is going to show up. Jesus would often do that in the Gospels. He, he felt, here it is, he fed the 20,000. And then he told the disciples, get on this boat and meet me across the lake. He had just fed, fed 20,000 people. The storm came while they were obeying God. And, and that's when we're often tempted to give up on God again. When we obey him, we get into hard times. You're still obeying God. Come on now. No, nothing. Come on hold on. Now. Wait. Nothing has changed. Come on now. God is still there. Yes. 
You're just in a little bind right now, right? But, but the storm happened as they were obeying God. He just performed a miracle. And, and if he was good for it, then here he comes walking on the water. So I want to encourage you, trust the Lord. And I believe that God has sent many of you here today to give your life to him so that all this goodness can flow.